Hello, everybody. Welcome to 321 No Kidding. I am Bobby the Awesome, and I am joined today by Pitts Quatrone. And we are going to talk about a topic I'm guessing you didn't even know you want to hear about, but once you dig in, it's going to be very yummy and interesting. So, welcome to 321, Pitts. How you doing? I'm doing great, Bobby. Thanks. Thanks for the invitation. It's great to be with you. Well, I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked about this, this topic because I don't know anything other than just what I know from you. Um, and before I press record, when you shared with me that this was instrumental, pun intended, in your recovery and your life, um, it just, I'm just excited to share it with everybody. So, why don't you start us off by introducing yourself, um, anything you would love to say, and then bring us into our topic. Okay. Um, Pitts Quattrone. I live in Vermont. I've been here for about 25 years. I grew up in the Philadelphia area. And uh, at a certain point in my life, the didgeridoo came into my life. And that's a, if you if you're not familiar with that, it's a, it's an Aboriginal wind instrument from northern australia a lot of people consider it to be the oldest instrument on the planet no one really knows how old it is could be between 1500 years and 40,000 years oh wow so it makes this really unique mysterious meditative haunting sound and i can play for you for a second if you'd like yes so please. we'll set the stage and then we can talk all about it Now, that looks, what is that, like four feet, five feet tall? Yeah, exactly. That one's probably about four and a half feet. Wow. And they come in different styles, it looks like, based on your backdrop. Yeah, I make instruments and all these I made. Um, yeah, just like any other instrument, the longer they are, the deeper, the bassier they are. The short ones are higher and brighter pitched. But for the didgeridoo, for the sound to resonate properly, it needs to be at least three feet long. And even then, you're kind of pushing the limits of the the physics inside the instrument. The ones that I like the most, I'm, I'm partial to four and a half to five feet long. Okay, thank you. I I'm I'm just really coming into music, if that makes any sense. Like. I've listened to the radio, for example, but I don't, I don't know pitch, tempo, uh, you know, vibrations. Like Paul, who I was telling you about, is teaching us notes and how to hum and all this stuff. So please forgive my ignorance if I don't know the lingo. Okay. Yeah, no, no sweat. I'll, I, I try to break it down as easy as possible because I want everyone to know about this instrument. So how did you, I want to do some of the fun stuff and then we'll, we'll dive into some of the, how it helps people, but how did you discover it yourself? Well, I've always been attracted to strange, unusual sounds. <laughs> I was the kid in the back of the classroom making weird sounds, trying to make people laugh, the class clown. That was me always in the back row. So, and then uh, I, I grew up a little bit <laughs> and eventually I heard uh, the didgeridoo in one of the Crocodile Dundee movies. 
So it's like, I was like, wow, it's underneath there. Like, whoa, what is that sound? It's way back there. But man, it sounds so cool. I want to know more about that. So I did a little digging and I found out that it was the didgeridoo. And um, so, okay, cool. So how do I, how do I play that thing? And how's it used traditionally? I, I gathered all the information I could. And this was before the internet was really happening. So Amy, my wife, bought me a didgeridoo for Christmas in 1993, and it came with an instructional cassette. <laughs> so that's the format we're talking about, wow. a cassette. And um, it was super helpful, and I listened to what the guy said. The only thing was I couldn't see what he was doing. So mm -hmm. I didn't, I couldn't see his cheeks going and, and all the other things that happened. So I had to kind of figure those things out, but the cassette was super helpful. And then about six months later, I found a bamboo didgeridoo at a music festival and uh, really affordable. And the first time I picked it up and tried the, right in the didge, I got the good sound. I was like, oh my God, it was <laughs> a, a lightning bolt hit me. It's like, wow, there it is. That's what I've been trying to do. So that's kind of my step-by-step -step timetable of, of how I got into the didge. So does, does each one, obviously, if they're handmade and different, do they have different ranges? Is that the right word? Like, you seem they to be dialed into what it, noise it's supposed to make or sound it's supposed to make. Yeah, they have different pitches or they play a different note. And the, the didge, is, it's one long hollowed out tree branch. That's all it is structurally. There's no holes like a flute. There's none of that. There's a bell end that's open and then a, the, the mouthpiece end. And you flap your lips to get the first sound, your drone. And once you get that, that's your foundation. Then we can start adding all kinds of cool stuff on top of that by moving your tongue around, using your voice and your cheek muscles puffing in and out. And then uh, if you want to play continuously, you can actually breathe while you're playing and the sound is not interrupted. It's this process called circular breathing. So I can explain that in a nutshell, but let's tell everyone that uh, studies have shown playing the didgeridoo reduces or dramatically or almost takes away sleep apnea. The British Medical Journal published a study from a doctor in Switzerland who had 25 sleep apnea patients. He brought in a didgeridoo teacher and they played for six days a week for four months. And at the end of that period, the sleep apnea episodes dramatically decreased, in some cases completely disappeared. And that's because playing the didge and that circular breathing thing I mentioned, it gives the internal muscles in your throat and bottom down here and also in your face, it gives all those muscles an internal workout. So they get back into shape, nice and straight, nice and strong. They're not flabby and blocking the airway. So that's what happens there. It's, it's, it's exercise for inside. <laughs> wow. And, and I could visualize it as you were saying it. Like when we get thinner in the muscles, our bodies change. And I could picture, all right, that was cool. I, was, yeah. I couldn't connect the dots on that. So I appreciate you explaining it. Sure. Yeah. So there's there's hard science behind it. And 
most people that come to me for dig lessons are sleep apnea sufferers and i do lessons online in person one-on-one group settings all of that stuff and i've seen this help countless people just even from the beginning in the first couple weeks it uh, increases your air capacity it starts to open things up and eventually once you do that circular breathing then it's like a launching pad to the benefits really coming through for you that's pretty spectacular mm-hmm. so what else you've told me that the dig helps save your life do you want to mm-hmm. share that about that with us Sure. Yeah, I've been playing Dig for since I mentioned 1993 in uh, in my 20s. And um, <laughs> my life could have gone in a couple different directions. <laughs> I and I was heading towards the dark zone. <laughs> but the didgeridoo came to me. And um, also my wife, who is an absolute earth angel, and we're still together after 35 years. Um, so the dig offered me a healthy path. So I, luckily I was, uh, I was awake enough. I was like, all right, cool. I'm a musician. I play the, I've been playing in bands since the early eighties and in different instruments, uh, percussion mostly, but the dig came to me and it was like, whoa, this is something it's powerful stuff. This is ancient, powerful stuff that dude, you better pay attention to because this is your chance. So uh, I, I realized that and I was like, OK, cool. So now I'm playing the dig and I've, I had a addiction problems with drugs and alcohol. And I can get into that if you want to hear. But generally, the dig gave me a healthy path instead of the dark path. And there was a few years there where I was playing dig and still using different things and drinking too many things. Uh, but eventually, and they were that was they were parallel. Eventually, the drugs and alcohol went off, and the dig took me away. It's like, all right, dude, here we go. I'm going to give you a healthy life as well as a mission of trying to share this instrument with as many people as I can. Maybe it'll help someone else down the line. And in turn, this whole thing has evolved into a successful career for me. (laughs) So it's like, thank you, Mr. Didgeridoo. (laughs) I'm in deep, deep, deep debt. That's that's a wonderful story. And the fact that you made like a choice and then it turned into a purpose. I love that it, you know, it's a purpose and now you're helping people and there seems to be like, it's wonderful when, when a addiction story can turn into a success story like that. So congratulations. Um, and thank you for doing the work that you're doing Pitts. It's, it's really cool. Thank you. Well, a, a dear friend of mine I grew up with, we met when we were three years old. He drank himself to death at age 46. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was another thing. It was like, dude, you can't let that stuff grab a hold of you like it did Brother Billy. Yeah. So um, it was a kind of a tribute to my brother, blood brother Billy. Like, all right, man, I'm still here. I'm going to do what I can and have you in, with me. Yeah. It's it's tough, and we can only do the best we can. Um, yeah. Wow. Well, I'm sorry about Billy. Yeah. Thank you. All right. 
So, whew, <laughs> going, 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 Pitts. Um, Lighten it up. <laughs> where did do you? I don't know if you know the the answer to this, but it's just curiosity. Um, do you know where didgeridoo? Like, does the name is it symbolic? Does it have some sort of a meaning? Yes. The funny thing about that word, okay, the didgeridoo comes from the native people in Australia, the Aboriginal Australians. The word didgeridoo is not an Australian term, a native Australian term. It was made up by the first Europeans who showed up in Australia. They never saw this instrument before. They never heard it. So they made up a name based on its sound. Didgeridoo, didgeridoo, didgeridoo. So the the automatopoeia thing, didgeridoo. So the real name for this instrument, the real uh, term in the Aboriginal communities, and there's about 35 to 40 different names, depending on where you are in Australia for the didgeridoo. One term that is accepted widely is the word yidaki. Y-I-D-A-K-I, Yiraki. So that's the real name for the didgeridoo. And in some areas, depending where you are, Yiraki means short or uh, mosquito didgeridoo because the shorter ones are higher and brighter. It's like kind of sounds like a mosquito when you play. Wow, that sounds very Asian to me. (laughs) It doesn't like it doesn't sound Australian. Um, Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. So what kind of activities do you do? You said you made a career out of didgeridoo. And I love I love how you call it the dig. It's like your old friends and you go, you know, you go way back. Um, oh yeah. It's just so cool. But what kind of <laughs> what kind of activities do you do? Well, I do a lot of different things with the didge. You know, it's living in Vermont. There's not really (laughs) that many great jobs around, and I really don't want those jobs anyway. So I had to really diversify with the didgeridoo. So I make instruments and I sell those. I give lessons online and in person. I do school presentations, uh, retreat presentations, Um, And then I perform with different players from all over the world. And this instrument has taken me all over the place. So I really believe deep down that the didgeridoo is the most musically uh, versatile instrument because what it does is it puts that foundation underneath everything. It's not perfect for every song, but the songs and the styles or that it it fits with, it really connects. So if I I pick up any didge back there, so it plays a a, a certain pitch. So what I have to do is, okay, if I'm playing with a guitarist, pianist, or whoever, what key is that song in? All right, it's in the key of D. Okay, cool. I'll grab my D didgeridoo. Bang, and we're locked in right there musically. And then with the didge, you can do all kinds of rhythms and, and vocal yelps and howls and accents and, and coloring stuff all over the song. So it's it's really versatile. And 
this instrument has taken me to crazy cool places like Greenland and Senegal, all over the U.S. Next month, I'm doing a five-day residency at an elementary school in the San Francisco Bay Area where the kids make instruments. We perform at the end of the week a, a big, long concert for the community. So I offer a lot of different things uh, with the Didge. Just give me another idea. Okay. <laughs> um, I okay. like it that you're thinking. <laughs> well, because I, I like the idea of you sharing this with the world. I love that it's something um, unique. It, it feels unique to me. Um, you know, it's not commonplace to talk about our didges. Um, I'm fascinated by the music part, but it, when you're talking about the school, I have a girlfriend back in New York that just recently um, started a foundation. Mm -hmm. And one of their first um, grants they were issuing was to children and in the music mm -hmm. space. So as you were talking about schooling, she just popped in my head. So um, it, it, doing live, I'm glad I asked that question because doing live um presentations like that. I almost wonder if you couldn't do that in rehab. Like I used to, I used to call it arts and craft, but we did like painted birdhouses and like something like this seems to have more value. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I'm picking on my rehab, but um, I just wonder if, if, if that's a fit too. I'm just kind of talking out loud because I'm, I'm fascinated by it. Yeah, I guess it would de depend on the person involved and maybe the the leader of that organization if they were open minded enough to to uh, talk with me and say, hey, what can we do? Uh, it and then it really depends on the the people there if they're willing to to give it a shot. But what I do sometimes is I'll go to a school or a, a group setting or a museum and I'll bring a a, a duffel bag full of digits with me. And if I have enough uh, and I sterilize everything ahead of time so it's totally sanitary, if I have enough, I'll, uh, towards the end of the discussion and presentation, uh, we'll get we'll try to have everyone try the dig. <laughs> oh, so I'll, I'll pass a few of them out and then we'll see if we can get some sounds. And based on what I talked about in the presentation, hopefully they've listened and remembered some of those techniques and we can try them all together. And that's really cool sound when there's 25 or 30 people in a room playing dig together. So they must not be that heavy. <clears throat> it depends on the wood that they're made out of. Oh, uh, wow. The traditional ones going back to Australia, they're made out of various uh, types of or varieties of eucalyptus. And eucalyptus is serious, hard, hard, dense wood. It's it, it, some of it. One of them is called ironwood for a good reason. So what happens in old school traditional digges is, okay, it's a hollowed out tree branch. How do you hollow out a tree branch? So what the dig maker does is goes around and looks for a termite mound near a eucalyptus tree because what the termites do is they get into the trunk and eat their way up the trunk and out the branches from inside. And then the dig maker will go around and knock on that branch and listen for how hollow it is. And the trained ear would know like, okay, this one's perfect. No, we'll come back in a couple of months and let the termites do their thing. 
or it's too far gone. So if it's a good one, he'll knock on there <clears throat> and women make digits too. It's not a male, just a male thing. So the branch is cut off and sometimes the bark is peeled right there on the spot or brought back to his house or her house, to the digit maker's house and just let it be, let it, let it season and dry out. And then a few months later, try to make that tunnel all the way down and then form the mouthpiece end. And I'll show you form the mouthpiece end. So it fits your mouth. That's all it is. It's a hollowed out tree branch. And then here is the bell end okay. where the sound comes out. And after I make each instrument, I autograph it and put the year and what, what note it's playing. So, um, and then you'll see some dig makers or didgeridoos, they're really wide bodied like this one is. So you really can't play it because it's too wide because the air will be flying out the sides. So you'll see beeswax on some didgeridoos. I don't particularly like the beeswax, but its purpose is to shrink that diameter down so it fits your mouth while you're playing. Otherwise, you can't play something that wide. So I don't really like the wax. So what I do on my digits, again, is I just form the end of the dig, the mouthpiece end. So it's already a natural mouthpiece. You don't have to add anything to it and there's no mess. So first of all, the termites are gone, right? When the dig people bring them back to their house. Well, right there on, on location, they blow them out or they put some bran little branches in there to get rid of the termites. Okay. I had to, I had to get past that part. And then um, <laughs> my next question is, and that, my intention was to talk about serious stuff. So remind me, we have to talk about serious stuff too, like health and all of that. But we've been sneaking it in. How do you know? No. Is it your intention to have a dig play a certain key? Like you said, mm. one played D. Or do you find out after based on hollowing it out? That's a great question. I love it. And you said you're not musical. That's not true because that question proves to me that you're musical. So what I do is I try not to force anything onto the tree branch. I look at the tree branch and I see what it gives me and I cut it to the length that my gut instinct tells me to. And then I, I form it and finish it off, do everything I need to. And then the moment of truth is when I first play it, I play into a digital tuner, a guitar tuner or whatever kind of tuner. And it tells me what note it plays and that's where it is. I don't shave off like a half an inch here or add something here to alter the pitch. I don't do that. And that, so that's some of my digits. It really, you have to have, be a skilled player because it may be like in the middle of two notes, but what you do with your playing technique, you can bend it. So it's right there on that note that you want. Wow. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's fascinating so <laughs> you said that it came from australia and that it was it was native and like you felt connected to it am i right in saying that that you were connected 
Absolutely. Yeah. The first thing was like this, the novelty of the sound and then the sound became more serious and everything else I found out about it, I became more, I felt more connected to all the cultural end of things, even though I'm a mostly white guy who grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia, this thing is ancient and it, somehow I'm related to it. Well, that was going to be my next question um, was, did your research take you to, was there tradition surrounding the, the didge, your friend, the didge, was there um I just picture like ceremonies and I don't know if it's because they're painted. Like, what did your research show you when it came to that stuff, the history? Yeah. How is it used traditionally? Is That's the question. Um, here it is. The Didge is the original sound effects machine. So it's the Didge player's job to imitate the sounds of what's happening. So there's one person singing or, or telling a story. There's two or three dancers imitating the movements of what's happening in the story. And then there's one, rarely, sometimes two Didge players. And their responsibility is to make the sound of whatever the storyteller is talking about all kinds of nature sounds. So it's the original sound effects machine, whether it's a mosquito or rain hitting the tree branches or a stream flowing down, thunder, whatever's happening in nature, it's the didge player's job to make that sound, to bring those words to life. Wow. I, I, I can't even wrap my head around how that would be executed, but I'm going, okay. So that's where those sounds came from before technology. Uh, yeah. That you to hear, would you like to hear one or two just real quick traditional sounds? Yeah, I would. This is okay. Yes, please. So, all right. So the, 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 the first thing is the lips. That's your drone. That's a constant. Once you nail that, you stay there. That's all I'm doing inside. So the first one is like, uh, can, I guess you can hear me because I'm far away. The yep. first one is the tongue technique. So there's a kangaroo bouncing around. When the kangaroo hits the ground and bounces, that's when your tongue moves forward. So that's a real quick example. And then you can bring your voice into things. And I'm not sure how this is going to translate on Zoom because sometimes the audio it gets uh, a little wacky. So you can use your voice on top of the drone. Traditional sound, dingo barking, a wild dog in the outback, right? So it's then... So you hear out sounds through the ditch. So just a real quick example of, and these, these sounds are ancient. What I just did is a technique that's been going on for thousands of years. And it's so cool because it's 2023. I'm making these sounds in this instrument and it's been going on forever <laughs> in my in my book. <laughs> that is cool. That is very cool. So I I feel a little guilty. I feel like this has been more of informational than recovery show, but that's okay cuz I know yeah. it can be used for recovery. 
Um, you have said, aside from sleep apnea, that there's other health benefits to play in the ditch. Do you want to talk about those a little bit? Sure. We've, we've touched on a few of them, but first and foremost, if you attempt to play didgeridoo, you must be relaxed. You got to be calm, chill, nice and easy. If you force it and you really, I really, really want to play this thing. That's not going to happen. That's forget that you got to go to the other end of the spectrum. So number one, getting back to your question, it helps you calm down. <laughs> you can relax, take a breath, maybe even like get into meditative stuff after a while. But first and foremost, chill. And doing just that without the dig itself is relaxing. Right. So that's number one. And then number two is just playing the instrument. I mentioned earlier, just playing the instrument, you're using all this stuff in your lungs and throat muscles and face muscles, all these things. They're going to be called upon even if you're not aware of that. So what that does is it op starts to open up the airways and gives you more lung capacity because you're really calling on those things that maybe you haven't before. I wasn't a wind instrument player before or brass. I didn't play any of that stuff. I was a percussionist. So this was like a whole new thing. Like, oh man, I'm making these sounds <laughs> with air. <laughs> so it calls upon your air capacity. So that's another uh, serious benefit right off the bat. Wow. Do you see them ever getting like mainstream, like in an orchestra or you do? Yes. And that has happened. Um, there's a there's an Aboriginal guy. I forget his name, but he sits in with the Sydney Symphony Orchestra and he travels around. I should know his name is William William Bard, I think. Um, he sits in with different orchestras all around the world. So it really depends on the conductor, if that person is open minded and uh, most of them are. And so they'll have a, a dig section or a feature a dig in one of the compositions. But absolutely, like I said, I think this instrument can be a critical component to any type of music on the earth. Yeah, I love it. I, as you were talking about uh, the telling the story, and I, I don't, I don't know if it's just where I'm at in my life and my journey, but I feel like it's more than just an instrument. Like I can feel that. I don't know if it's just the way that you describe it or whatever, but my brain's going to meditation and sound baths and like all of like, you're not even saying all those things, but I feel like it just has this, I don't know, a, a, a purpose. I don't know how to explain what I'm feeling, but I'm feeling some kind of way about it. Yeah, well, you're you're spot on. It's the vibration, you know. It's the vibration from the dig. I, mean, I used to have like this magic mattress that had a transducers in it, and I would put a microphone on the dig when I would play. The whole mattress would vibrate. But you, the sound bath thing. I, I play in this meditation ensemble that's based in Maryland, and we go around, and and fifty, sixty people show up. They lay down on mats. 
and we play we take them on a journey for two hours and part of that journey is i'll walk around with the dig and play on top of the person's body top to bottom middle everywhere around so they can the vibration feels they can feel it directly from the instrument so yes it's definitely sound bath meditative healing yeah, that's that's one aspect that I do, but not it's not the forefront, but it's certainly part of my mix. Wow. Pitts, is there anything that I'm not inquiring about because I'm so like fascinated? I'm a little tongue tied here. <laughs> well, um, hmm. Muse, the, there's examples of my music on my website and that's my name dot com. It's P-I-T-Z-Q-U-A-T-T-R-O-N-E pitsquatrone.com or you can just google uh didgeridoo vermont and i'll be the first 75 <laughs> things that pop up but um the music okay i have some really fun original music of my own where it's in like, kind of like a rock funk jam band vibey setting um and there's a there's a philadelphia anthem that i wrote called cheese steaks and tasty cakes <laughs> that i know you love <laughs> and of course there's a didgeridoo solo in the middle <laughs> yes so there's fun, some fun videos there and and, and your uh, smart speaker as well siri alexa whoever it is just ask for pitz quattrone play pitz quattrone and bang i'm i'm up there and all the platforms i'm there Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I encourage everybody to check out Pitts' music. Uh, This is fascinating. If you're listening just on audio, um, I would check out the YouTube too, because this is really, it's just neat. And to see it, you'd understand a little better what I'm I'm saying about how it kind of speaks to you. Pitts, this has been a pleasure um, and very informative. So thank you so much for being with me today. That's my pleasure. And thanks for inviting me on the show. Bobby the Awesome. (laughs) I love that title. (laughs) Well, thank you. The the point is, there's two reasons. One is to um, remind myself on the days that I need reminded. And the other is to give people permission to acknowledge the good voices in their heads. And they should be, you know, pits with pizzazz or like it, it, it doesn't need to be, you know, the alternatives. So thank you for acknowledging that. It's positive. It is positive. It's so (laughs) funny. You're doing the whole um, man versus woman thing. I say something, it takes me 80 words and you say something and it takes you two. Like you're Mm -hmm. very good at that. You did it a couple of times. So I appreciate that about you. I need that gift. (laughs) Good. Well, thanks. I'm glad that worked for you. You I'm just being me. Love it. Well, thanks again, Fitz. (laughs) All right, Bobby, thank you.